You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash Thrive. That's E-C-K. F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Brandy Bernaski with Alchemy and AIM. Uh, we're going to talk to her a little bit about the work that she does helping companies build up brands, really build presences. We're going to learn a little bit about her background, about the work that she's doing, and a little bit of her story and how she's built a service-based company and how she's spun off various kind of companies around that and kind of thought through um, really how to structure things. I think it's going to be interesting conversations. I think a lot of entrepreneurs kind of find themselves in those situations where they've got they've got a great company and they see another opportunity and it's kind of a struggle to figure out how do they uh, how do they they give kind of direction and runway and purpose to these new ideas. Do they keep it with part of the same company? Do they spin it off? These are all kind of questions that come up again and again, and it'll be an interesting conversation to see how Brandy has done this. So with that, Brandy, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Bruce. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about background first. Like, How did you kind of become an entrepreneur? How did you get into the work that you're doing? And then, and then we'll talk about the businesses and some of the stuff that's going on. Sure. So really, I, I got into this very indirectly. I, I think I was working at Educational Testing Service at the time, and I was actually writing test questions for them for one of their tests. <laughs> Which one? Were you on the English side, on the math side? So I was actually writing, they have some tests for uh, people who have learned English as a second language. And Ah, so I was actually helping write copy for for audio like questions. So my background's in theater. And I, you know, when when you're in theater, you naturally have a way of kind of understanding how people converse. Mm -hmm. So I was writing these questions that, you know, were kind of dialogues or sometimes monologues Mm -hmm. between people so that there was the test not only of like, could you read English, but could you understand it in conversation as Mm -hmm. well? Interesting. So I was working on that at the time. And as someone I, I had met there encouraged me to start doing this thing called blogging. Now, this was back in maybe like 2008. I had no idea what a blog was. I knew a little bit about websites, thanks to a course I had taken at School of Visual Arts when I graduated from NYU. Uh And I decided to blog. And so learned a little bit about RSS feeds, had to totally Google what that was. Friend told me I needed one, found out what it was, and I started blogging. And because I had just that like a little bit of like CSS knowledge and HTML knowledge, I got into kind of like tweaking my blog, like changing the color, changing the font, moving things around. And Mm -hmm. this somehow (laughs) grew into me coding my own theme for my site, which then led to friends asking me for help. And I would say maybe what... I, probably about five years after I started my blog, I was at the place where I was being asked by so many friends or people I knew in the blogging world for help 
that I realized I could start a business. Yeah. Did not really understand. Like I had no clue what starting a business meant. Like I was like, I'm going to go freelance and I just won't have to sit in a cube anymore. And I'll take long lunches and, you know, vacation all the time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't that be uh, nice? The early days. (laughs) We all remember those days. But that, that actually very, very quickly grew into a like legitimate business where I had to hire people to help me with things. And, um, and really start looking at like structure and what I wanted. And I discovered I was a very natural entrepreneur. Like my brain just loved it so much. I loved the creativity around building a business, not just, I mean, I love it around, you know, websites too, but there's a very beautiful creative factor around building a business. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious what, like, where do you think you got that? Was that, uh, was that DNA? Was that something in your upbringing? Was it something that you, you know, learned over time? Where did that come from? I think it's just always been part of me. I've always been like that really creative person. Like I even remember in high school, we had to write a chapter for a textbook in history and everyone handed in their pieces of paper with like those plastic protectors on it with a side plastic piece that made it feel all official. Mm-hmm. I was the one who actually like went to the craft store and got like the post and not even it was in poster board. It was like that foam board. And I built, I like built a 3d textbook. I did the cover, I did the back and I like pasted all the pages in. And I was that person like that. I, I think everyone like gave me a glare. Yeah, I was just going to say, that was you. (laughs) That was me. That was me. But it was just like, that for me was fun. It's, you know, I I didn't, the writing of the interior pages, like I enjoyed that, whatever. But it was like that, that kind of like translation to the next level that I really loved. So I was always like a natural puzzle solver. My mom used to, you know, Christmas time, she used to do these scavenger hunts for me and my brother loved doing scavenger hunts, loved creating them and just kind of found myself in this very natural kind of like creative state overall. Like my background's in theater. I've spent time in in philosophy and physics and things like that. So I think there was just this natural part of me that was, was thinking about things in different realms and weaving them together always. Yeah. Yeah. And so what were the things, I mean, so it sounds like a lot of this was very natural. What were things that weren't so natural? I mean, what, what did you run into that, that you either realized you weren't particularly good at, or you didn't have some experience with, or you need to figure out, um, as you kind of got into the business side? So it was most of it. Um, (laughs) I had no idea how to hire people. You know, I mean, I know, I know how to get along with people and how to listen to people, but hiring and training people like, and making sure that you make the right hires. I didn't know what any of that meant. And I was very, very fortunate in that I had a wonderful business coach at the time who was able to really provide me with some structure and say like, here are the types of questions you ask people. And these are the, the qualities and traits that you're looking for. Um, she was also very big on a test called the Colby Index, mm-hmm. um, which shows work style. So it shows you if you are a like a high, you know, creative, or if you're more of like a fact driven researcher, or you know, what your relationship to systems what like can be. So I was using that very early on, and I knew that I didn't need another creative like me in the business. I needed people who balanced me and who could like create the systems and who could do like deeper research and things like that. So I was very, very fortunate to have a lot of guidance 
around how to hire people and really how, like, how do you start building a team? How do you construct culture? Like I knew what I didn't want from past job experiences, like as, as wonderful as some, some of them were like, I knew what didn't resonate with me. And I was trying to find ways to weave that into the company I was creating. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, like what were the, what were the challenges of, of implementing that sort of that kind of assessment, like as as you kind of used it in the hiring process, like how did how did it actually apply? I mean, did you was it something you did right away? Was it to kind of qualify them at some level and then use it as a tool later? What when did it when did it actually get applied in the in the hiring? Yeah, I used it as a prequalification. Well, I used it like I prequalify them first, and we still do that to this day. Like we mm-hmm. one of my one of my team members actually will do a first interview to make sure that they're a good culture fit for us. Mm-hmm. Like that's step one. Then I will do a kind of like a skills, you know, fit. Like, do they have some of the right backgrounds I'm looking for? Maybe it's experience mm-hmm. managing a team. Maybe it's experience building custom sites, whatever it might be. And then we'll actually give the Colby test to, you know, we want to make sure that they're, they're a solid fit before we assess them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, you do have to pay for the assessment too. So we want to just Cost. do a little of that before we do that. But then it, it kind yeah. of, you know, really confirms with us if we're going in the right direction. Yeah. And if yeah. they have, if they have the natural ten, like aptitudes to be able to, to really succeed in the job, it's not, you know, I, I tell everyone that we, we give this test to I'm like, this is not a right and wrong test. This is just a, where are you energized and what depletes you? So like I naturally am depleted when I create systems. I naturally want to break them. That Mm. energizes me. (laughs) But I also know that I need a lot of people around me who are natural creators of systems or maintainers of systems. And they also hold me to make sure that I hold those systems. So, but it's just, it's just understanding like, you know, making sure that you're not putting someone in a role that will deplete them over time. Yeah. And and how do you balance the the need to, you know, find complementary kind of skills and, and thinking and approach with, you know, making sure that you're not gonna, you know, basically create a situation where you're at odds, you know, with everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I mean I think that's, you know, really where where the culture fit comes in. So really making sure that that they're going to be receptive in the way that we need them to be receptive. Mm-hmm. And that then, then throughout the rest of the hiring process, we're looking to see if they embody our core values, you know, so that yeah. that's key. And then I feel like, you know, there's natural tendency sometimes not to agree, but that's not a bad thing. And yeah. I really do encourage my team as much as possible. Like if you have an idea, I want to hear it because yes, end of day, I am making the decision This is so much more fun when it's a conversation and we can co-create together than if I'm in isolation by myself trying to figure out what's next. Like if someone's got a great idea, let's explore it together a little bit, even if it's just a conversation. Yeah. Is there anything that you've, you think you've done either, you know, sort of system wise or culture wise that has fostered that? Because I just find it's, it's easy to say, it's like easy for a leader to kind of stand up and say, you know, I want all your ideas and, you know, there's no bad idea and, you know, but then, you know, there are definitely, you know, situations that I find that, that works. And then there are definitely ones that it still doesn't happen, right? It's even though they're sort of giving lip service to the idea, it's not happening in the organization. What do you think you've done that has enabled that to be effective? 
I mean, one of the best things that we've done is we have a meeting every other week with the team and it's who it's whoever can make it at the time. So, you know, if someone's really intense on a project and is not available, that's fine. But we have like a best practices and like kind of like just a meeting where we share. Mm-hmm. So like I may share something I encountered with a client, someone may share uh, some code that they're working on or a software that they use that makes their life easier. And it's it's just that kind of like open forum to connect. There's not any like heavy expectations around it except to like show up and be willing to, you know, offer something to the group. So that's just created like a very natural just kind of like this natural conversation among us to just be like, yeah, I tried this or here I encountered this weird problem and here's how we solved it. And I think it's kind of just opened up of just an easy communication for everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah I think that's one of the big things that I, I try to bring in to the, to the companies I work with. This is the, the sort of an idea or a culture of continuous improvement where yeah. there's always kind of the search for, you know, what, What's working? What's not working? What changes could we make? You know, big or small, just to make things just that much easier, that much more effective, or you know, reduce our, our error rate or defect rate. And anything else you do from a cultural point of view that just in, sets that up or, or helps helps people feel you know both both open to share it, but also looking out for them. I mean, is there anything that you do to co- kind of collect those opportunities? Yeah, I mean, we we do collect them. So we actually we use Slack a lot for for different mm-hmm. things. So we actually will sometimes capture, we may record the meeting and then capture that and, and push it into Slack for anyone who wasn't available or even in between meetings, people, we have like a particular Slack channel where we're, we'll share interesting things in. And, and we kind of use like just Slack in that, in that way of, you know, it may be business related, but we also have, you know, a parenting channel for the parents and the, on mm. the team. And we have a music and podcasts. And- <laughs> can I, can I get in on that? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's really fantastic. And like, even though I don't have children myself, uh-huh. I'm in that channel and I'm commenting on people's, you know, photos, first days back at school, back at school uh-huh. like virtually, whatever it is these days. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I try to participate even in the channels that, you know, like there's no exclusion to the channels. Everyone's yeah. invited to, to be part of them and just to like be supportive human beings. I've also made that very clear to to our whole team. I think over time is that like we are family first. And mm-hmm. like that, that is really, we're not doing brain surgery. It's websites. Yeah. You know, we've got people on the team. Someone can pick up the the ball as it's rolling. If you have something that you need to critically attend to. Yeah. So, you know, we've, I, I feel like we've been pretty good about modeling that as a whole, even for me personally, like there was a period of time two years ago where, where my mother was really getting ready to pass after mm-hmm. a bout with cancer. And so I, I was just modeling it for my team of like, yeah. guys, here's when I'm available. If you need me, this is the time. Otherwise I'm going to be here with her during this time. Yeah. Yeah. So I've really tried to emphasize that, you know, we are human beings and we need to, we need to be human beings to each other first and foremost. Yeah. What is your team makeup like in terms of, I know everyone's kind of remote right now yeah. or we're virtual right now, but what generally, how are you structuring your, your teams? Where are you finding your people? How have you kind of approached that whole kind of team organization, talent organization challenge? Yeah. So we've always been remote, which mm-hmm. is benefit, not much change for us yeah. <laughs> at all. My team is really spread out from, I think our furthest is in, we like, we go from like Poland to California. Mm-hmm. So we've kind of got that range. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've, I have found team members in a lot of different places. Core of the team are obviously our developers, but we also have project manager to 
kind of like VA business assistants, a business manager, yeah, two project managers and, and all that. So, so a lot of people kind of in doing the work, but then also people who can kind of see higher level as well. And um, I mean, I've honestly, I've used a lot of different tools to find people. I will completely admit I've, I think one of my assistants I found via like a connection on Facebook. Like mm-hmm. I will post my jobs on my personal Facebook feed just because I'm like, Hey, if you know someone who's interested, yeah. like send it out. I've also posted in Facebook groups before we've done it on indeed. I've used some other platforms in the past. And what's fantastic is once you get some really wonderful core people in, you can start utilizing that them and their networks too. So like mm. even the developers I know when we have an opening for a development position, they'll push out to anyone that they know or like developer groups that they're part of to see if there's interest. Yeah. It's an interesting strategy. And I, I I'm always surprised that, that, uh, you know, companies don't use it more because I, I mean, there's two big benefits that I see with that. I mean, one is if you have a really good employee, chances are they're going to know other people somewhat like them, right? So there's a certain amount of, hey, you know, let's find more of people like you. So you're probably hanging out with people like you. Let's find more. And the other thing is, is you're actually, there is, there's some accountability (laughs) when when they refer someone they know and they bring in, they take a little bit of responsibility or will, you know, be, I think a little bit more engaged on making sure that person is going to be successful, right? Whether it's, you know, kind of giving them the information they need, training them up, um, you know, giving them hints and tips on, on how to be effective and stuff. So I guess I'm always surprised, but that isn't done more (laughs) than, than it is. Anything about how you post the jobs or how you describe the role or how you describe the company that you, found kind of more effective in terms of making sure you're getting the right people? I try to just be very, very clear with people about what their role responsibilities are going to be. Um, mm-hmm. I think everyone does does that to some extent. And I think I, I think because there is this part of me that even though I ended up as a developer and starting a company, like my background's from writing in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. So I just tend to describe things a little differently and I try to be a little bit more creative and not so bland in my job descriptions. Like mm-hmm. I want to come across as fun because I think we're fun. So I've done that. I don't like no one's ever pointed to something and been like, that is what set you, you know, set you apart. But they all seem to be like anyone we've ever had apply seems to be very like intrigued and compelled by our job descriptions. Yeah. So I'm always one thing that I always suggest companies do is make a job description that kind of takes a stand a little bit. Yes, in that it should it should attract the right people and it should repel the wrong people. Right? I think a lot of times I see these job descriptions that are trying to be everything to everyone, and so you end up getting you get everyone, and, and that ends yeah. up being a problem in the the actual interviewing and hiring process. Is there anything that you do that feel that you feel actually helps repel people that you don't want to have apply? I, you know, so one of the things we do is we have four questions that we ask everyone to answer. And mm-hmm. I will tell you, I don't look at people's resumes if they don't uh-huh. answer those four questions. Oh, interesting. And one of the questions is like one of the questions is what are your two superpowers? And if anyone answers, like if I'm posting for a developer and they answer that their superpowers are like CSS and PHP, <laughs> like you're lying. No one that is no one's superpower. That is a skill you have. Mm-hmm. Like the people on my team, like they've answered things like keeping my kid off my keyboard while I work you know, making that perfect cup of coffee in the mornings that gets your day going. Like they have given me interesting answers that 
like that really help them come across as real human beings that I, I actually want to get to know and work with. So I, yeah. I always, that's always my secret. And I, it's surprising. Like I even have a little line in there that's like, we love great details and we love great cover letters. And you'd still be shocked how few cover letters I get. <laughs> you can just bypass that. I'm like, like I'm telling you who has yeah, been successful. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. Do you, and what do you think it is that they're, that this process is so kind of automated now that people are just yeah. like randomly applying to things or they don't, I think that's don't a possibility. I think a yeah. lot of people are like, uh, let me just throw my resume in and see if I get something back. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. intentionality, especially today, intentionality is a lot. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the business growth. Have you evolved? Yeah. I know that you've kind of spun off, you know, a couple of different sort of services. How, how have things evolved? How have you identified these new areas? What are they? And then how have you set them up? So I originally started out as a developer. I helped a designer build like a few themes. And then I was tweaking those themes. So that's like really where I got my start. But I got more and more into custom development. And the further I got into custom development and the complexities of custom development, the more I realized that not everyone needs a custom website. It's just not the case. And that's fine. You know, everyone's at a different point in their business journey. Every business is different. So for a long time, Alchemy and AIM was doing both custom websites and, you know, sites built using pre-made themes. Um, sometimes a client would come to us with a theme. Sometimes we'd help them identify a theme, something along those lines. And what I found is that while we were meeting the needs of many of our clients, there, it was causing some confusion because we had two portfolios, our custom portfolio, and then like, here's what we do with our pre-made themes that we work yeah. with. People didn't understand that distinction. They just saw websites. And so sometimes people who had a pre-made theme were like, well, why am I not getting this sort of website? And I was it's a custom website. You know, this person has potentially invested tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah in this. So it became very clear that just from a expectations and marketing perspective, it was going to be necessary to split the services. So that's really when I decided I was like, Alchemy Name is going to say custom websites, and I'm going to create this new sister company that I always put that in air quotes. So mm -hmm. you can't see me do that on, a, on an audio, but yeah. put that in air quotes because it is it's I've just really what I've done is created a DBA. Yeah. And really been able to target entrepreneurs at a particular, you know, business owners at a particular spot in their journey and really message to them and really make sure that they're getting what they need. So, you know, even when it comes to like, we've created a really, really beautifully um, robust pre-made theme that's very, very flexible for future growth and for potential customization. They have access via like a portal link to, I think I've recorded like 73 videos showing them how to do things on their website. Mm. Cause I want, I want people to be empowered. Like mm -hmm. that's what it comes down to. I want, I want them to be able to even say, Hey, I don't have time to work on my website, but I'm going to hire an assistant and I'm going to pass that portal link to them and they'll know how to do everything. Yeah. So there's a lot of potential there. So it really allows, you know, like the, the kind of the second business really allows me to meet people's needs at a particular place in their journey and in their business and make sure that they're getting what they're, they need and that there's no like missed expectations where they're like, well, why am I not getting that over there? Mm -hmm. You know, so that really is kind of like, that was the first kind of break that I made. And I'm really thankful I made it. I feel like it's so, it's so much clearer for people what the process is, what the end result is going to be, how it's going to work, all of those really, really good things. Yeah. 
And then um, I know you've got another kind of business, at least in the works here. Yeah. Like how, how, tell me a little bit about that. How did that come about? How did you yes. make the decision? So it's, it's the same game, really, is since I started this business, I've always taken on people who need support on their website and in their business. Sometimes we've been asked, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, you know, some people listening have found this. If you know how to program a VCR, people ask you to do like all of the technology in their lives. <laughs> I mean, and, and we don't use VCRs anymore, but like that's uh-huh. how, you know, back in the day. That's what it was like, oh, you know how to build a website, which means you'll also know how to set up my email and you'll know how to create this integration on my CRM and Mm -hmm. you'll know how, how to change the time on my alarm clock or whatever it is. So we just, you know, that's a natural tendency and we've supported our clients minus alarm clocks and things like that, but we've supported (laughs) them with email and CRMs to some extent, as much as, you know, is within our realm of, of kind of excellence and genius. But it was kind of funny because I'd always had the idea that if I just took tech support out of Alchemy and AIM and gave it its own entity, that I could also expand it and grow it differently. And I just happened to be talking with a friend of mine who also has a tech service-based business. Um, she actually does a different like kind of realm of technology than I do. We focus on websites. She focuses actually on like business systems, like, you know, things done with Microsoft and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And they also create some apps. And I happened to mention this to her in, in passing. And she was like, oh, I wanted to do something like that too. And we realized if we combined our forces we had a really, really robust service to offer people. So it's not just like, oh, we can support you with website stuff. We can actually really do a much bigger, you know, support for people with like a good portion of their business technology services, whether it's website, whether it's, you know, a special integration that maybe needs to happen between Excel and Office or something like that, who knows. So that's really what we were looking at. And then as we we started to kind of form the basis of it. We saw a lot of opportunity to help teach business owners to make better decisions around the technology that they take on in their business. So that's what we've been working on building out. And just, again, it just feels so good. It feels like it's, it's helping create kind of like a new focus for my company, Alchemy Name, and also giving us a really like a whole new way to serve people. Mm-hmm. How do you distinguish or, or how do you make the decision around which ones you pursue and which ones you don't? Because I think that a lot of, there, there's a lot of shiny objects. For, for there are a lot of shiny objects. Like what's the difference or how, how do you kind of decide which ones are worth it and, and why? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's obviously like an analysis that goes into it of like, I mean, I know how much our tech support business, that portion of our business has made in past years. Mm-hmm. So I know what that can look like and what, if I could scale it, what's possible for it. I will tell you, I wouldn't have started this up by myself. I've already done two businesses by myself. So being in a partnership with someone, um, especially someone who, who meets me, like, like she, you know, like we're not, it's not like the work is imbalanced. Like we are both really in this together. That's really exciting. I will say like there, I do have a strict rule for us that with this new business we're creating, because we already have businesses of our own, we are only allowed to be CEOs. We cannot be And I've said this, I said, we cannot, once we've turned over initial ownership of like the tech support ticketing system to Mm -hmm. our team, we cannot log into that system. We're not allowed to. Mm. We have to trust our team. We have to, the good thing is like, we are starting that company's team with members 
on our teams already. So we already have, you know, we know what their skills are. We, we trust them already. So we're really, we're really kind of challenging ourselves to like learn to be CEOs in this company so that it doesn't end up as one more giant thing on our plate that's overwhelming us. And that it's something that we're growing because of as well. Yeah. And, and how's it going? <laughs> are, you, going are you sticking we're to your rules? We're still early phase. We're <laughs> okay. still very, like we're going into beta in a week. Yeah. So I don't know what, when the time this podcast comes out, but we don't actually launch until like like December 21st is our anticipated launch okay. date. Right. So it gives us some time to work things out and mm-hmm. to get all the kinks out before we like really announce it to the public. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Brandy, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about the work that you do, what's the best way to get that information? Easiest thing is head to our website, alchemyandaim.com. Just hit the contact page, hit the contact form, fill it out. It comes to me and I'm always happy to you know start a conversation with people who are looking for any sort of help or support. Yeah, I will make sure that the link is in the show notes so people can click through and get that. Uh, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.